So often most of the arguments we have at work come from a lack of clarity about something that we think we all understand. Mm. And so one of the stats that I'm a huge fan of at Murmur is that something like 65% of all startups fail because of co-founder conflict. Oh, yeah. And so I'm just sitting there looking at that and thinking, well, what are those co-founders conflicting about? Aaron, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Thank super you. excited to have you, but things have changed. Some stuff has happened since we had you on last time. <laughs> that Ke- is for sure. Catch the audience up. Um, if you haven't yet, go back and listen to the previous episode, which we'll link up uh, in the notes. Um, Aaron has been on the podcast before. And we've had some awesome conversations around teams and around uh, our, you know work, but now we're going to talk about product because you went and did it. You went and built one. So let's just jump straight in. Tell us tell us about what you've been up to for the last bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, since we last spoke, we've had a bit more pandemic and oh, a lot yeah. more a yeah, lot that, more that remote thing. work and a lot more dissatisfaction with work, mm, mm-hmm. a great resignation, et cetera. Yeah. And in the midst of all that, it felt uh, it felt like an important time to take a lot of what my company, The Ready, was doing inside organizations, which is teaching them how to work in new ways, primarily through making agreements about how they work together and and taking on new practices and new principles, um, and think about how does that work in that world. So what would it look like to make decisions and agreements together in a remote world, in an asynchronous world, in a world where team members are much more far flung, and it's not so easy to just get in the boardroom and hash it out. Um, and so we always knew that there was a need to make agreements and decisions more effectively, but suddenly it was really pronounced. And so uh, we started to incubate this idea inside the ready and then ultimately spun it out as its own company and raised money into that company. And it's called Murmur, murmur.com. And the idea is to solve the problem of how do we listen and learn and change and grow the culture together over time. So if you look at industry in general, people quit when they don't believe things will change. Right. That's kind of the, that's the, that's the ultimate problem that we're trying to solve here is when people lose hope that the thing that is frustrating them is not going to budge, then they move on to the next part of the story. And there's millions of people doing that right now. (laughs) It's crazy. Now we've been blessed. Krema's, Krema's retained, almost all of our staff, but, totally. it, it, but our clients and those around us, I mean, we're seeing it. It's real. Tell me, let's go back though. Cause you mentioned a word and I think we might've talked about on this, on the, on the previous episode agreements. Yeah. You know, like I'm thinking agreements is like, I signed that, like that annoying little checkbox at the end of like, I signed up for a service and now I get this like service agreement, or maybe <laughs> I've got an agreement with my kids that they'll do the dishes, but let's be uh-huh. honest, I'm still going to have to bug them about it. Like, what do you mean when you say agreements, uh, describe that for me. Cause I know that's a huge thesis in, in what the ready has been doing. And of course what this product's focused on as well. Yeah. I mean, we, we just think of an agreement as a collaborative document that clarifies something for a collection of people. In mm-hmm. the case of a team at work, it's things like norms and processes and policies and other ways of working in the case of a family, it could be who's going to take out the dishes, right? Essentially our whole world is built on agreements, some formal, like the contract you described, and some informal, which might just be an understanding that we have with our spouse about 
who takes the dishes out. But it is it is always a kind of agreement. It's a kind of coming together and saying, how should things be? How should we operate? What are we? Why are we? What makes us us? Yeah, I love that. I mean, we have working agreements with our clients, not totally. only contractual ones, but also like when the team gets set, set up, the first thing a product manager will often do is say, all right, let's make sure we understand how we're going to work together. Not just what we're going to build or the thing we're going to design, but like how we will do this work together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the list gets real long once you start to think about what is and needs to be clarified. So often most of the arguments we have at work come from a lack of clarity about something that we think we all understand. Mm. And so one of the stats that I'm a huge fan of at Murmur is that something like 65% of all startups fail because of co-founder conflict. Oh yeah. And so I'm just sitting there looking at that and thinking, well, what are those co-founders conflicting about? And the answer is all this stuff, right? Yeah. Like, how do we make decisions and how do we get the work done and what's important and what are our values and our principles and what roles do each of us hold? Who is the CEO after all? All that kind of stuff comes from a lack of clarity around around agreements. And, and we lack not only the substance of those agreements, but also mm -hmm. the method for making them. Because it's hard to figure that stuff out if you don't have any kind of a structured approach. And so we kick the can down the road and... For most organizations, that stuff is is second fiddle to doing the work, like you said. But eventually, the you know the chickens come home to roost. I <clears throat> I often tell the story that Dan and I I think we more probably orga organic first organically created an agreement, and then we have written a lot of it down. We have we ended up creating kind of what we call an oath, which is nice. like this like, Ooh, I like it's that. this informal like way of saying here's what matters to us as individuals and to yeah. what we're trying to do through this thing called Crema. We had friends and family and other folks like sign into it. It was like, keep us accountable to this oath. Like this is this is what we want to be true of mm. us and That's of it. our relationship. And of we were friends before being partners. Dangerous, right? And we're like, <laughs> we don't want to ruin this special thing we have. Yeah. And so we used to get together every Friday <clears throat> at this local coffee shop just a block away. And the same little, I mean, if somebody was sitting in our spot, it was an issue. Okay. That yep. was our spot. We had it every Friday. <laughs> And we joked that we would get together and the early days were about like us saying, how did I piss you off this week? And then how did you piss me off this week? Mm -hmm. And how can we not do that next week? And it, it was basically what you're talking about, which was just like peeling back and uncovering all these things about how to do work together, how decisions were made, what his role was, what my role was. And then we kind of organically, now we were, well, I was what, 25? We were children. We, had, we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, we exactly. were making it up. Uh, so I love this. So, so tell me how does how does Murmur uh, approach solving this from a from a product perspective? Yeah, well, I think we had to start from what we knew. So we knew that teams didn't have a way to make agreements and decisions in general. It was you know in some cases it might be the leader decides. In some cases they might circulate. But but generally speaking, there wasn't a, a reliable way to get that done. And uh, teams struggle with the idea of what makes a good agreement and what mm. level of clarity is involved and what sort of length and how many do we need, right? Is, is 10 agreements for our company enough or too many? Is 70 enough or too many? Um, how do we keep all that stuff straight? So, so the first thing we did is just go spend a lot of time with organizations talking about what is in their way at work. What, is, mm. what are the things that are holding them back? What are the things that are frustrating them? And trying to map that to where do those tensions show up that maybe an agreement could make the difference? 
where an agreement could be a way through. And, and once we had a pretty good sense of, of what that map was that we call it a pain map uh, looks like, <laughs> then we started to think about, all right, well, would they be willing to try to do it a different way? And what would that look like? And, and that's when we started to take the consent process that we use at the ready that comes from sociocratic uh, you know, tradition mm-hmm. and, and bringing it into a piece of software so that the software can be the facilitator that we usually are in the room. And so instead of saying, you know, the typical way this works, right? Let's say you are the, you know, 5% of teams that does really write things down. <laughs> then, then let's say you want to get something done. What happens is you write a Google Doc or you mm-hmm. write something long in Slack and you're trying to get feedback and you're trying to get to a decision. And then there's comment chaos, which is everybody just pop, 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 getting all over it. And you can't tell the difference necessarily between the questions and the suggestions. You can't tell the difference between suggestions and objections, like reasons that someone would not be okay with it. And you're left to kind of wade through all that. And then you're trying to chase everybody for that final consent. Like, all right, are, is this a decision? Are we good? And you have to go and kind of be door to door knocking on people's, you know, Slack DMS or whatever to say, last chance, you got to get your thoughts in before before I move forward with this. We wanted to take all that pressure off. So it was like, imagine you could sit down, very quickly pen what's going on, what's wrong, or what could be different, or what's the opportunity? What do you want to try? And hit send, and the right people would get it. And from then, you wouldn't have to lift a finger. It's basically like going to take you through what questions do they have? All right, great. Now it's your turn to answer them. Then what suggestions do they have? All right, great. Now it's your turn to possibly incorporate them. And then does anybody have a real reasoned objection for why this is not safe to try, Mm -hmm. why it's an idea that's going to hurt us? And then let's integrate those objections if there are any, and then you're done. And what we've found is basically we've taken what takes one to two hours in the boardroom and hours and hours asynchronously and turned it into like 15 minutes. Come on now. That's yeah. so good. It's pretty so fun. I'm curious, is do you see these becoming um are they living documents or is this something that usually tends to happen early in a process or in a in a, in a formation? Yeah. And then how often are they visited, updated? I mean, what how, how does that take place? That that's something that came a lot from our own uh frustration with existing tooling. So obviously long before we started this journey, the ready my previous company, other companies that we're friends with, we're doing this. We're making mm-hmm. agreements. Yeah. We're doing it in Google. We're doing it in Notion. We're doing it in yep. Slack, wherever we can, right? Where we live. And the problem is that you end up with document debt. Yeah. Because oh, you man, write yeah. that Notion page, everybody signs off on it, and then it sits there. And then two months later, you're like, what folder is that in? And then six <laughs> yeah. months later, you're like, I've never seen this before. Uh-huh. Right. And so this problem of these things aging and becoming either less relevant, less useful, less accurate is a real thing. And it happens in every other documentation platform on earth. So going into this, we knew that we needed to address that. And to be honest, we know exactly what we're going to do here, but we're still doing it in the product, which is building an expiration feedback loop. Where when you build the proposal, you're saying, all right, I think we should try you know, summer Fridays. That's your proposal. Great. When, how long do we need to try that before we need to really reconsider? And so is it four weeks? Is it eight weeks? Is it eight months? 
you're going to choose an expiration date when you make the proposal. And then along with the proposal, your team can also react to the time horizon. Because most oh, ideas yeah. are objectionable only in their length, not in their content. If you said Summer Friday for one week, how freaking dangerous is that really? Mm-hmm. Right? But if I said mm-hmm. Summer Friday forever right. to the CEO We're of, vested. You know, yeah. Yeah, of Forbes, <laughs> they'd be like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. So, so the, the expiration date is a way to play with that. And then on top of that, we've been building and refining. And frankly, this is an area where we're doing a lot of like rethinking and refining Mm. a feedback method that can happen at the point of expiration, but also at any other point in the journey. So let's say you, you do push summer Fridays and you set it to expire in two months, but after two weeks, you're sitting there thinking like, I wonder how the staff is feeling about this. Yeah. You could actually hit a button. Everybody gets a quick Slack notification that says, are we doing this or are we full of it? How's it, you know, is it, is it serving us? Is it, is it adding up to value for us? And then what else are you noticing? What else are you considering? What else is on your mind that you could share with us that would help the next person that looks at maybe editing this or refining this to do a better job? And so you would say, I'm loving it, but I wish it was Thursdays or what have you. And then when George comes around to make a a reproposal after it expires, you might be like, it's summer Thursdays. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm bought in because <laughs> well and I'll just tell you because I, I haven't gotten into the product yet. You were telling yeah. me about it a while ago, but you were still working on it, and I was just like, okay, okay, cool. I'm you I'm already in working agreements headspace. We use oh, we use every tool under the sun. I'm uh, sure. Well, I mean, our newest one and kind of like truly has been our our knowledge base for Crema has been Notion. So we yeah. moved so much sure. fun into a notion and love it. But but exactly what you're describing, which is this is still gonna be a buried thing. Yeah. That no one ever comes back to. Um, yeah, I can be the intentional human leader that that like brings it back up because I set a reminder for myself. But let's be honest, I'm probably going to ignore that reminder because I got other priorities. Hundred percent. I I love this because I was looking for a tool because I'm a very uh, principles over policies kind of person. Yeah. And so a policy is so much harder to change or rewrite in general. Or at least Absolutely. that's what we find. But a, a principle is something that can adapt and grow and evolve over time as the organization changes. You know, we're not the same as we were when we were eight people when we're now almost 60, right? <laughs> totally. I mean, like that's a different thing and those principles have different meaning and, and different impact and I needed a way to bring that through. Or for instance, yeah. you say, you say um, uh, Summer Fridays, we have a thing called Lab Friday. So uh-huh. every other week we dial down all of our client work. We only work on internal projects and yep. education on Lab Friday. But yeah. we always have this question of, is it going as well as we think it's truly <laughs> going? You're like, should yeah. we keep doing it the way we're doing it? Totally. And what you're what you're scratching at there is what I find so interesting about the whole engagement survey, team survey space right now is what you want to know is how is the Lab Friday thing going? But what people are going to ask in a traditional survey is like, how is it going? And so you end up in this situation where you you don't have the right level of focus to actually do anything or act on the information you get. You might get through a survey that people are not high energy right now, but you don't know why, as opposed to getting really dialed into like, well, it's, you know, the way we're doing Lab Friday is adding energy or taking it away. We use another tool called Lattice, and, mm-hmm, and Lattice sure. is incredible for lots of different things. And it does, you know, all of our one-on-ones are in Lattice, and when it does these pulse surveys weekly, 
and you know, even the fact that we do a pulse survey weekly is a lot more than a lot of companies do. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but but it is it does, and sometimes it becomes like this generic thing because it isn't contextual. Right. Right. It's more like okay, we've got this bank of questions that we ask on some type of rotation, and again. That is good. Sure. I'm glad we do those things. Do that. But but this this very acute focus on a an initiative or a um, a challenge we were taking on or something we were experimenting with, um, this is frequent, especially in an organization that thinks that way. Absolutely. And we have 72 agreements at the ready. Oh wow! All on different cadences, living in different sub teams and sub circles, that are all being constantly tuned. And so you just imagine like what is the what is the kind of difference between six months in a place like that and mm-hmm. six months in a place that's just like keep on keeping on. Yeah, right. You know? Oh my gosh. Okay, so I want to pivot a little bit. I'm yeah, curious. Sure. You built a product, but you and tra- you traditionally have been a and, you know at least the Ready, and I know you said you spun it out, but the Ready has been a service based company mostly, right? Providing totally. services. Um, you know, Crema builds products and we've, we've dreamed about building our own products and we've kind of dabbled in some of that space. I just want to get a sense because mm. I think a lot of our people are listening to, um, are also folks trying to build their own product. Okay. What was that like? I just, I just want to go into that story for a second because that's hard work to jump in <laughs> to say, you know, we not only think that this thing ought to exist, but we're going to actually go build it. Um, yeah. tell me what that, that process has been like. Well, what I was seeking out, I think at some level, was a chance to be a beginner again. And boy, did I get my wish. Like it is, <laughs> you know, it is a constant challenge to just be like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I have to eat mm. the next thing and the next thing and the next thing, which is what I wanted. But it is humbling. And the reality is there is so much wonderful thinking and theory and practice about how to build a product business now than there was 10 yeah. years ago that oh, you really man, yeah. can get a PhD in it by by just exposing yourself to everything that's out there. So yeah. so for us, it was starting with, all right, well, first of all, how the heck do I build a team to do this? Because I'm used to hiring change agents and, and people yep. that think and write and speak and facilitate. And now I need to hire engineers and designers and product people and customer success people and all that. And I really didn't have a playbook for that. So it was a lot right. of advice seeking like I ended up in the DMs of a lot of prominent engineers and designers and product people saying hey I I have this idea I want to build a team I have some money what do like how do I approach this marketplace that is so challenging and frothy and then once we figured that out and kind of knew how to build a team and knew what levers to pull that set us apart because I think that's an important thing for anyone listening to understand is your product your mission your culture there's going to be things about that that you get to pull a lever other people can't. You know, yeah. someone comes to work for Murmur, they get to not have a boss. That's a that's something we have that Facebook doesn't, right? And okay, so, no, no, no. You have to go into that more. That's too <laughs> provocative to not explain that. Go, yeah. go, go on. Well, as I mean, as I think you know about the Ready, we're a self managing, self organizing company, yep. and so yep. when we spun out Murmur, we brought those same principles to bear, which basically said we use the Murmur method. This consent method to create roles, to create responsibilities, to create decision rights, to create policies and process about how we work. And we don't really need a lot of the trappings of a traditional management structure to do that. Yeah. And, and as you may or may not know, I've, you know, I've Im- implemented similar ideas in much bigger and more successful technology environments. So I'm not 
talking out of school here, but it does yeah. require a lot of structure, a lot of format, like getting the thing ready to be a community garden instead of, a, you know, a Burger King. And so we had to we had to implement that. And now essentially what we have are a set of agreements with each other about how we make road mapping decisions and mm. how we make strategy decisions and how we make hiring decisions and what how compensation works. And all that stuff is in murmur in agreements that everybody consented to when they joined or when they created it. And so it, we're just building that structure as we go. Okay, so then you just hinted at something that maybe I want to push in a little bit further. Tell me more about when someone joins the team. Mm -hmm. So that's an interesting <clears throat> kind of fluctuation point where like, you know, use the traditional handbook, all sure. right? <clears throat> which we have a version of in some capacity for, for legal reasons and otherwise. <laughs> but there, there is, there, you know, whether we want to admit it or not, the only time the handbook is ever list, looked at is when a new person gets hired and they're right. told to look to read it. Right. How does that work for new folks coming on that are being onboarded into these, whether it's the Ready 72 or Murmur's set of agreements, how does that onboarding port, um, process look? Yeah, well, I think what we do is before we ever onboard, we start. So before a decision mm -hmm. is made that someone should work here, we're already peppering them with agreements that they should look at and determine their comfort with. Yeah. So the compensation agreement is quite uh, unusual in the sense that it's not it's not the ready level weird where it's like self-set pay and, you know, crazy shenanigans. But it yeah. is like totally transparent, no negotiation, no bonuses. It's you know, we, we like hit, we base it on one geo in San Francisco and pay that market rate everywhere around the world. You know, it's like there are things about it that are unusual. And so reading that and saying, all right, I'm comfortable with this as a way that I'm going to end up getting an offer and I'm not going to be negotiating with that offer in order to, you know, preserve and protect less bias in the system. That's the first thing. And then also I'm, you know, willing to work in a system like this. So we share podcast episodes like this one and others that dig into the challenges and, and, and the, you know, skills that it takes to work in a self-managing environment. We share all that. We give them almost total access to our agreement log and then say, are you still are you still interested? And even the offer uh, that we send out, I'm just I'm just bringing it up now because it's funny. It has a bunch of questions in it that are basically trying to scare them away. So it'll no, say really. like, "Do you yeah. know what you're committing to?" Yeah. yeah, are you committed to working in an alternative power structure? Are you are you open to the idea of working out loud and being in pairs, poking at problems? Are you comfortable with uncertainty? Are you hungry to build something new? Are you okay asking for and being asked for consent? All that sort of stuff plays a role in, in basically saying, is this for you? And then once they come in, by joining, they officially consent to everything that exists. But, and this is the fun part, not only are they consenting to all the agreements that already exist, they're also immediately getting a right to propose edits to and consent to further edits to any agreement that's in any space where they are a member. So if they're joining an engineering team, they're saying yes to all those agreements. But as soon as day sure. two comes around, they could propose a change to one of those agreements or propose that we get rid of it or say no to a future edit. So they have a right that starts to take shape as soon as they agree that the way things are working today are the rules for today. How effective, <clears throat> and you've put this in place with, with other tech companies or other larger organizations, but how effective have you seen, what, what go to the results, right? What is that, this is, I mean, this all sounds awesome and unique and like, 
utopian in some ways. <laughs> like, I mean, totally. right. Let's, but, yeah. but what talk about the, the, because I think it's fascinating. I, I love this. And we do versions of some of this, maybe not to the level that you, you've you introduced there, but the outcome of this. So use Merber as an example. Sure. In the process of creating that company that is creating this product, how has that impacted the product that you've built? Yeah. Well, I think it affects things in a few ways. One is there's just way less waste of energy mm. and time. So we're not wasting time in debate. We're not wasting time in meetings. We're not wasting time punting on decisions. We are, and we're not wasting energy on that stuff either. Like people aren't sitting around thinking, ah, you know, I think the way we do leveling sucks and I wish Aaron would change it. They can either do something about it or live with it. And so Mm. it's just like, it takes all the air out of the balloon on all the agita and like stuff that usually goes on in a system. And it's not perfect, right? People... People still have to step up to that. We're human beings. I do not want to describe this as utopia. There are moments where it's hard and there's a trade-off always in everything, right? The trade-off is this takes more deliberate effort. This takes a different kind of energy, a different kind of thoughtfulness and a different kind of comfort with getting it wrong. I mean, I, you know, I have the same consent right everyone else does, but a lot of stuff goes over the transom where I'm like, that's not how I would have written it. And that's the cost. That's the cost of doing business this way. The impact, I think, on the product for us is unusual because the product is the method. So, right. so I think it's it's like this it's very like circular, self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, of, it's an, yeah, <laughs> it's an Ouroboros, and I think for us, that's the that's what it looks like. We don't call it dog fooding; we call it bird seeding because murmur oh. murmuration. But um, I like but for it. us, I like it. Yeah, right. But for us, what that looks like is whatever we're not getting out of the product, and we see bubbling up in the culture that's that's going on the roadmap like that's coming into the conversation in terms of product mm-hmm. strategy to be like oh you know what and we actually had this conversation yesterday we were having a a team offsite and it came up like not every person on the team has made a proposal oh, and so there's not an equal balance of of agreement making happening in the team right now now of course to some degree that's to be expected because some people are new and some people are very tenured yep. but but we just started talking about that like okay well what What's stopping you? And do, are, are you sitting on anything that maybe you haven't shared? And what might the reason be? And you just start collecting those reasons and they become product feedback, quite literally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're, like you said, you're able to iterate on your own. The only, Man, that's, I mean, obviously as a product guy that builds other people's products, like that idea of building something that would serve my own itch, that's, right. that's, that's such a good, good feeling. So Tell me a little bit about how is the rollout gone? So how long have you been live? What is, what is the, you know, how has the reaction to this uh, been with early customers? Tell, yeah. tell me more. Super interesting. So we've been, we've been working on it for about 18 months. We've had about six months of, of having enough functionality and meat on the bone to have teams playing with different iterations of it, all yep. in a private beta context. So we're not, we're not in a public beta yet. There's a wait list. I think it's close to 2000 teams now. Nice. And, um, and it's, there's a lot of energy around the problem, right? So when people do mm-hmm. sign up and they fill out the, you know, ridiculously long form that we have to, to get on the wait list, they I think say, I did start to fill it out. I don't know if I ever finished it. <laughs> well, that's see, that's the test, right? So yeah, that's right. That's how right. bad is the problem? But, but they get it. They're like, yes, you know, we yeah, want, we yeah. want to scale culture. We want to have this kind of learning ideology present in our in our ecosystem mm-hmm. we want to give everyone a voice right because at the end of the day what murmur is saying is do you believe that everyone should have a voice in how they work together mm-hmm. and if you don't believe that i've got a bunch of products to recommend for you 
And if you do believe that, then you, then you need something like Murmur. And so, so everyone's on board with that. Then they actually get onboarded the tool. They see where we're at in the development of it and what is and is not present in the tool. Sure. And then, and then you get to see how the cookie crumbles. And that's where we've been doing the most learning is it's a quite robust product when you really start to imagine it versus something that might be a little bit simpler and more MVP, like, you know, not, not to say that it's not complex, but building something like the first version of Calendly, it's like, yeah, you slurp yeah. two calendars, you find the blanks, you figure yeah. out how to visualize that and people pick one and you send an email to both of them. That's super cool. And it changed my life, but it's not, um, it's not building a SpaceX rocket. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. what, what's challenging about what we've done here is you have to be able to sense what's going on. You have to be able to have a full and complete editor that allows people to make a proposal. You have to facilitate that entire asynchronous process end to end. You have to be able to potentially see the proposed changes or edits in the way that you might in a Google Doc, like suggested change mode. And then you have to have it expire or collect feedback and close the loop. And what that means is you're basically building like three products, not one. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of those products is so complicated that there are only, to my knowledge, there are only two or three products on the entire internet that actually have like strike through suggested edits yep. the way you would see in a Word or a, or a Google Doc environment. And there's the damn good reason for that, which is it's nearly impossible it's really to, to build something like that. So, so we, have, we have bitten off a lot to chew. And the lesson has been as people come in, we find out whatever we haven't built yet, are they going to need that? And, mm. and how do they, you know, how does that fit with their choice to, to stick with it or to churn? And what we basically learned is that being able to propose edits and change things and updates things, being able to have expiration and make sure these things don't become doc debt, those are critical for people. So we're actually yeah. still in the process of rolling both of those things out. We think that will kind of round out the, the product. But then the real problem, and I, I'd be super interested to get your advice here live on the show, is the it's the cold start problem it's the first mile so everyone knows onboarding is critically important when you read about product everyone's like onboarding 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 you have to be you know you have to master it but what we've seen is essentially people get really excited about the problem they get really excited about our solution they log in they set up their account they do whatever white glove onboarding and training we do with them and then some of them i'd say one and two stall yeah. And they stall because making a proposal creates a lot of different kinds of anxiety. Mm-hmm. There's blank page anxiety. Like I just, I don't know, there's a big blank page and I don't know what to write there and what is, what does good look like and what even is an agreement and why am I here? I have work to do. And yeah. then, and then there's anxiety about, does anyone else feel the way I feel? If I put out uh-huh. something like summer Friday sucks, is everybody going to, am I going to become the pariah of the team? Yep. Do I even have the right? to do this, right? Maybe we're experimenting with Murmur, but has my management team or my leader formally said, like, you have the right to propose anything you want? And so there's a lot of anxiety. And what we're working on right now is how do we alleviate some of that so that, you know, more and more and more teams find that they can complete that first mile? Because we know once a team has about five or six agreements done, they never look back. Yeah. Like then it's, then it's off to the races and they've seen and felt the future and they can like really lean in, but getting, you know, 80% of the teams that touch it to that point is going to be a Herculean task. I think. Does Murmur have an opinion? <clears throat> um, well, I'm sure you have opinions. Do, do you have, does the product have an opinion on where to start? 
I mean, I'm glad you said that. So we we are starting to talk and and ideate a lot more around what's the starter kit. What are the mm-hmm. agreements every team should have? What like is there yeah, some yeah, set yeah. of pebbles where it's like bing, 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 bing? You need to do this stuff first, and then you can go wherever you want to yeah. go. These are table stakes. This yep. is what every com- company at least needs to be thinking about. Yep. Even if you choose not to do them, <laughs> you should consider them. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I'll, I'll use an example of like we were early early adopters of Asana. Uh huh. Sure. And Asana was such a cool tool for, and a Notion is the same way. For those that are comfortable architecting their own reality. Yep. And I'm I'm that kind of person. I will just, just I'll spend nights and weekends yeah, let like me noodle with structuring it. Yep. how, oh no, I don't want it that way. It would make more sense if it was like this. And so like my team freaked out transparently <laughs> when I went in and I set up our notion instance. Yep. Our workspace. And I went crazy. And even my business partner didn't know I was working on it. Uh-huh. And I came back to him and I, and I said, Hey, this is what I want to roll out to the team. And he was like, who did all this? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I did all this. <laughs> you know, like I went into my mind palace and this is what existed. Yeah. But it was because, uh, you know, I, I have a high propensity towards strategy. I, I have a lot of context because I've been in the company for a long time. And so, I mean, I just, it was just a, an outflowing. That's, that's rare. Yep. And, and, I, and I think that I was, I wanted a tool that didn't have an opinion at yep. first. Exactly. Now, I think getting further into it, there are times where I'm like, man, had it told me where I should have started, I probably would have not spent, you know, my wife would have seen me a little bit more for that week. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, so I think opinionation is always something I, I ask when anybody's building a product that requires a level of creation. Um, so whether or not you have an opinion or you suggest an opinion of right. how to get started is, is a really key. And then the second thing is, do you, are you seeing a trend, not just the anomalies of certain people giving you feedback, but like a trend on what are the biggest challenges that people, and you probably have this from the ready as well, but that are, that people are, that gets buy-in fast. Right. You know, so what is the thing that if I'm a contributor, an individual contributor in some way, and I do have a leadership structure in my organization that I'm going to, this, this regularly gets buy-in from leadership. Yep. Um, and then how do you anchor on those being those early wins? Because momentum is everything. It is, yeah. And one of the features that I'm excited about that we're riffing on along the lines of your train of thought there is we're calling it our insights product. But basically it's giving people things to react to that they can see themselves in and giving them the social signal about where everyone else is at. So yeah. you've seen, you may have seen, I'm not sure that you have actually, but you may have seen the Ready's tension and practice cards. Yeah. We yeah, have, have, we have very common tensions. Well, we're re, we're redeveloping that same concept, looking at the startup context and the scale up context and saying, what are those things that to, to your point are just like on everybody's mind and stuck in everybody's teeth in general. And then if we can have somebody come online and almost like the way you start Netflix and it's like, pick three movies that you like. Right. If it's right. like, pick three things that you wish were better. Uh-huh. And then not only that, but we can then say, hey, nine other teammates pick that same thing. Yeah. And then say, hey, this is, you know, here are some things that help that, that you could edit and propose. That might be the flywheel that we're looking yep. for. The other thing, <clears throat> I think this is, they, there's been some studies on this. And honestly, this this has been a truth for a long time. Mm. Um, there was There was a, uh, oh, what was the mind? There was a mind app, like a mind training app, mm. um, that years ago, 
and I, and I was talking to the head of UX at this this for this app. And one of the things that they did is they studied a bunch of different onboarding because they tested, like A-B tested a, a bunch of different ways they can onboard. Either, either make it really easy, fast, frictionless, get people in. And what they found is that the more onboarding they, that had to be done, mm-hmm. the much, like significantly higher retention Interesting. they got inside the product. Counterintuitive. We have, this, we have this, this, I think it's a Western view that comfort is the goal of all reality, right? <laughs> yeah. That everything should be towards ease, uh, make life easier, more comfortable, um, less hard. Let's make this seamless for people. And in reality, as we know, you learn through conflict. Right. You learn through challenge. You 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 feel this a sense of I invested something. Yep. So I'm I'm gonna come back to it. Yeah. When you don't, inv- when there's no investment, it's like, well, that was too easy, and I don't have to think. I don't. Totally. It's not. It's not hard anymore. So I think that's one thing. As you're as you're thinking about your onboarding, uh, is one is do you have an opinion? And two is feel comfortable asking more. Like you said, for my for that sign up process for me to get on the wait list, the fact that it was long says is there a real problem here? Are you are you willing to invest? Right. Um, and of course you can do ways where you can hack it to say like the person only, fi- you know, finished 20% <laughs> of that process and then sure. you just have to remind them and all that good stuff. But, um, I, that's, it's a hard problem because even that you said you got two or three products in one product, your onboarding is yet again, another product. Exactly. Exactly. Um, which people forget. I mean, it, the assumption is I build a tool that will do this in its perfect state mm-hmm. when it's all filled out and done. Yep. And the amount of people that never get to the perfect state is a is a massively large number. It certainly is. Yeah. And I think the the size of the problem and the depth of the frustration is the motivation to like keep hacking at that mm-hmm. and keep playing with that until we find I, I, I liken it to basically cracking a safe. Which oh, yeah. is like, you know, in, in in the safe is our IPO. And okay, what we need okay. to do is like listen very carefully to the tumblers, right? Yes. Like what is, is going to yeah. get it just right so that finally we help the most, the, you know, the largest percentage of people who hit it mm. find a way to make some change in their work life. And if you can find a way to make some change in your work life, it is the most elating thing possible because that's where you spend almost all your waking hours. And then, you know, then you kind of are, you have magic, you have, you have created fire. Okay. So, <clears throat> so then I'm going to go with that a little bit. How, what, why does murmur exist? Like Mur- what's, what is, what is its purpose? Yeah. Murmur exists to make work wonderful. Yeah. That's full good, stop. Right? Come on. Don't we all want that? Yeah. I mean, it, it, to me, that's the bar, right? The bar is not make it tolerable or palatable or wait till my next promotion. We spend a third of our lives there. Make work wonderful. It should be. It can be. We all know we've worked on that team or been in that mm-hmm. production or, you know, been on that sports team where that was the case. I think the whole world should work that way. Ah, well said. I'm, I will back you on that 150%. <laughs> that is so good. Um, what, what's next? You know, you're in, you're in private beta right now. Yeah. Um, where, where's it going? What's the timeline? Where can people learn more? I'm, I'm, I want to, I want to get in there. I want to get my hands dirty a little bit. You know me, I'll, I'll, I'll go in and, and play around, but but where can people learn more? Because this is this is really cool. Yeah. Well, I think we we're sharing as much as we can on Murmur.com and and collecting waitlisters there. 
uh, there's a little secret I'll tell you, which is if you DM me on Twitter a couple times, you might find yourself a lot higher on that wait list. Yep. Um, we're pretty responsive to people that are serious, right? And that want to really get in there and get their hands dirty. So I think that's um, that's definitely a piece of the puzzle. I'm on Twitter, you know, at, at Aaron Dignan. And I think what's what's next for us is we're, we're instrumenting it more and getting a lot more data about what people are experiencing and we are and we're listening to folks about what is going on in their head psychologically when they don't take action, when they don't mm. push for a change. So I think we're going to be in that mode for the next few months. And then by summer, I expect us to have kind of cracked the nut on that to to at least the degree that that makes us confident for, for the moment for this part of our motion. And then I expect us to really open the doors. So I, I, I'm hoping to you know, by, by mid to late summer be in, in more of a public beta scenario and yeah. really starting to work on what I think is the fun stuff, which is going out and getting more influencers, more people, more, you know, more organizations, Crema as a perfect example, sharing their stuff that they already have figured out on the platform because our explore area is just an app store for agreements. Yeah, and so yeah. imagine if the whole Crema product development toolkit is bup, 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 bup right there. And then, you know, you want more help. Well, go talk to them. So I think that is that's where we're headed. And, and to me, that's the party that we get to have after we figure out the, the cold start problem. Oh, man, I'm I gosh, I love the way you're thinking about it, too. We, we do a ton of work with Miro, right? Yeah. So love you. Love it as a tool. Obviously, we've created our own templates. We've added to the Miroverse. But then recently, we I think I could talk. I think I could talk about that. <laughs> we'll find out I'll, I'll, if we have to edit it out edit later. It out. That, that's the story of my life. Um, is we've been able to engage with Miro to help help them build their own templates, like to design out templates of like, what do we see as common themes? And I think that's such a, an exciting place to be when we're going, you know, I'm, I'm biased, but I think that what Crema has created and the way that we work and the way that we restructure our product teams and our intentionality about that, not being a two, but being an 11, yeah. Yeah. Um, then we can bring that. And like, we're all about like, share it. Like, totally. There is no secret sauce here. It, there, this, that is <laughs> it's hard stupid, enough. Yeah, it's hard enough, right? Like, um, I, I want to, that's why we have a YouTube channel. That's why we have a podcast, right? I mean, we want everyone in the world to say, how can we make work wonderful? Um, we're in the business of people. We just happen to do whatever it is that we're doing, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. um, okay, last question. How do you think, how do you think it's either challenged Murmur's future or, or enhanced it, the, you know, going through the last two years of COVID, going to what we all assume will be some type of hybrid, maybe fully remote for some organizations, some will have everybody come back. How do you think this moment in time is like the, maybe, as he, again, either made it more challenging or it's it made it the perfect time for Murmur doing Yeah, things. yeah. It's, a, it's both. I mean, it's the best of times and the worst of times. The yeah. thing that has worked to our advantage is that we're talking about a product for asynchronous decision-making and agreement-making in a mm. time when everybody's in their living room. So there's a real market problem product fit there that is going to just be a, head, a, a kind of a wind under our wings, I think, for many years to come. The downside and the trade-off, because everything has trade-off in org design, yeah. is that it's it's been a hard world to live in for people for the last couple of years. And so building a culture in a time of, honestly, like low grade trauma around pandemic, yep. around war, around, you know, all these issues that we're seeing in culture. 
you know, how do you have that fun and that levity and that lightness and that joy of building when all that is going on around us? That has been our challenge is it's it's great for the business. But for our experience with each other, we have to constantly ask ourselves, are we are we forgetting to have fun? Are we forgetting to make space for each other to be sad, to be processing what's happening in the world? It's a constant dance. And and honestly, you know, it's a it's a shameless plug. But like, thank God we have a platform for proposing and trying things to address that, because I've seen ideas come from people that I would not have I would not have suggested and that have helped us like retain that balance between being authentic to the moment and its challenges, but also having some fun together. Yeah. It's, I, I am a social person. So uh, I have struggled a lot because I, as, as, as long as I can remember, I wanted to have a studio surrounded by creative people, <laughs> physically surrounded by creative yeah, people. Yeah, yeah. And so this last couple of years has been really hard because that, that had been removed like a band, I get it. right? And, and what I think also was, there was, there is the nature of like, oh, creative collaboration and all that, that stuff, but also just distraction. Yep. Like when you're at home and you have access to unlimited information, um, <laughs> you look at it. Yeah. And because you don't have anything else to distract you from looking at it. Right. And so it consumes you. And I, I, I mean, I had to put up guardrails for myself because it, it, like you said, it became traumatic that I, you, how do you, how do you sit in that for too long? Totally. Um, and we, we've talked a lot about that at Crema is, Hey, we, we really encourage people to, to create constraints for themselves, to create safe safety for themselves. And then also we bring everybody in the company back <laughs> to the HQ three times a year. Yep. Right. I mean, like now we have, Love client, that or, rhythm. Um, we have employees all over the, uh, the country now. And so we, we try to bring everybody back because there is something about that proximity. So hundred percent. I am, I'm so excited. First off that you came back to the podcast. Of course. I didn't scare you away the first time. And that, <laughs> um, and I'm excited for the product, man. I think this is, I've been following the ready for a long time. I love your ethos. I love your the way of thinking and to see it come alive in, in, in a digital product, which is oftentimes what I want to see. Mm. I want to see what works come alive and be, enhanced and, and magnified and scaled with technology. Yeah. And I, and I can hear your passion for doing that with, with Murmur. So well done. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I'm excited to be here and I'm, I'm looking forward to your uh, your reflections when you play with it. Oh, I will. I'll, 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 you know me. I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Well, thanks for coming on the podcast and we'll do it again. We'll, we'll definitely have you on again, I promise. Awesome. See you soon. Thanks, Eric. This episode of People of Product was produced by Larissa McCarty with support from Julie Branson and Steph Inger. Our hosts are George Brooks and Daniel Linhart. People of Product is brought to you by Crema, a digital product agency. We believe that creativity, technology, and culture can help individuals and organizations thrive. Learn more at crema.us.